Welcome to The Deep End with Filterzine. Make sure you subscribe for more interviews with your favorite artists. I'm back at Filter headquarters again, and this time with another special guest on The Deep End, uh, Sydney legend Enter One. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. How are you? Appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. If you don't mind, I want to take it all the way back to the very start, and, and, and let's go from there, and then, and then come to today. Yeah. You got into rap through Sydney searches. Um, yeah. That was when you first, early to mid-2000s? Yeah. What would you say the Australian hip-hop scene was like then? Because I think the underground and the mainstream was both very different to what it is today. So back then, it wasn't, there wasn't really an underground scene. It was more, you had your Hilltop Hoods, uh, your Bliss and Esso was your mainstream, and then there was, then you had, you had like pub hip-hop, you know? So like, you had That's Them. It was more battles. I remember there wasn't really shows. It was more battles, and I remember the battles used to be held at um, Arncliffe Hotel, and then they had the battles at Lansdowne, and then they started doing shows as more rappers sort of came out, you know what I mean? But um, back then, the underground scene, it's a lot different to what it is now, you know what I mean? But yeah, um, I don't know too much. Back then, we were sort of like, what well, I was sort of, I think I was, we were like the only ones that really had a big buzz in the underground, you know what I mean? If you spoke of underground rap back in the early 2000s, it was Sydney Searchers, you know what I mean? And yourself, Schemo and Sky, what do you think it was about you three that spoke to so many people, the chemistry between you three guys? Because we took, we took a, a, a culture that was heard about, you know what I mean? Like only, you had, you, had to under, if you, you had to understand it if you lived it, you know what I mean? So we took the whole housing commission and the whole, the whole crime sort of story and we took it and we, we, we brought it into music, we brought it to light, you know what I mean? So no one really knew about that, that, that part of life unless you lived it. And then we brought it to music and then we, we, we showed everybody what it was, you know what I mean? So, and the reason it just took off because I guess every housing commission kid just, they just related, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, but the chemistry between us three was like, there wasn't a girl back then that was spitting that sort of music, you know what I mean? Like Sky was like ahead of her time, sort of still is. Um, back then she was just, yeah, she was the only one spitting like real raw gutter rap, like drug deal music, arm rob music, you know what I mean? So people loved it and they just soaked it all up. And I think looking back now, um, the reason that people reflect on Sydney Searchers so fondly is because it reminds them of, you know, a, a time, a place, a certain style of dress, a yeah. lifestyle, you know? So in your own words, for someone who's never heard Sydney Searchers before, what did that represent? What did Sydney Searchers represent? Yeah. Crime. Uh, Sydney searches. We, 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 we before we before we done music, we, we, we were money makers. So like, we had a drug run, or like, I don't want to get on here and sound like try and say like we were like Pablo Escobar's and that, but you know what I mean. We we, we were searching, we were out, we were out thieving. These days, these rappers talk about searching. They they like what do they you know what I mean? They don't know the true meaning of searching. Searching's out making money, going to back rooms, popping tills, getting a cash box, out there looking for money, you're searching for money. These days, these rappers are talking about searching, they're searching for like an op on the street, you know what I mean? So um, it was just what Sydney Search represented was housing commission, we, we represented crime, uh, kids with junkie parents, just all of that mixed into one and that's what Sydney Searchers was. And it was from Sydney, we were homegrown, you know what I mean? We weren't. If you go to Brisbane, the culture's different there. You go to Melbourne, the culture's different there. But you go to Sydney, it's realer than any other state, you know what I mean? And that's just, that's just what it is. We, Sydney's the crime hub of, of underground gangster rap music, like gutter music, so yeah. 
that's 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 my opinion anyway. Throughout your career as well, Cindy, so just one thing um, that, that you did rap about was um, the way you dressed or, or the shoes you had and stuff like that. Yeah. So in the early to mid-2000s, what would a typical everyday outfit on Enter look like? TNs, obviously TNs. High Nike socks, I used to wear the high, the high Nike socks. A pair of Nordica shorts, a polo, that striped shirt, and a, and, and, a, and a polo hat. That's what I used to wear every day. Sometimes twice in a row, you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> the same polo hat in every color. <laughs> every color, bro, yeah. And it was like, that's what, yeah, that was, that's what it was, you know? Like, yeah, that's what I used to wear, TNs and, and, and Nordica and polo. Now it's like everything, you know? Mm. It's crazy to see how much that stuff has been integrated in the mainstream over the years, because you know, um, TNs, they, like, if you wore those, you were kind of, it was not like a cool thing, you know, like back then, and, and I guess over the years, it's kind of, you know, just become cool again. Yeah, like, I, I remember the other week, I went to Westfields and I seen, like, these 13, 14 year old kids wearing TNs and Nordica and Polo, and it's like, and then they're called Eshes now. You know what I mean? Like, when we were growing up, we used to call each other lad, like, hey, and then someone would say, oh, yeah, he's a lad, or that person's a lad. But now they label themselves as Eshes, and it's like, you've taken, I don't even think people know what Eshe means, you know what I mean? They've just think, people that wear this and they, they've labelled them an essay but no one really understands the culture and that's what's real frustrating, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but it, these days it's everywhere, TNs, Polo, Nordica, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's smashed, you know what I mean? But no one really stays true to the culture of it and there's only a select few that do it and it's good to see that there's some people doing it, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Who would you say those people are though carrying that same ethos that, you know, that you had in the mid-2000s to 2020? Well, Schema, obviously one of them. <laughs> he's like, he's like a, a 90s kid still and he's almost pushing 50, so. Um, me, of course. Um, and just like a select few of my mates, they're not even really, they're not musicians, you know what I mean? They're, they're more graffiti writers. A lot of graffiti writers used to wear Nordica TNs. That's how you would spot a graffiti writer, by the way you dressed, you know what I mean? So, Gravy obviously still wears like, you know what I mean? It doesn't just wear it because it's a trend. We, we grew up wearing it. So, and like, Sam, look at Sam, you know, Sam, Sam's yeah, like old school, they still, they still rock all the old school stuff, Curse, he still rocks all the old school stuff, so yeah, it's, it's around, but I just wish people would understand it and respect it more, it sounds stupid, but to us it's a culture, you know what I mean, mm. so yeah. And um, when Triple One went on the Fortnightly Report, you know, you know, Marty was talking about how he used to listen to Sydney searches, and I think he made a really good point because he was saying, you know, um, nowadays you measure an artist's success through how many plays they have on, on Spotify or YouTube or, or this and that. Whereas in the mid 2000s, it was, you know, a lot of those platforms weren't there. So the way that you knew Sydney searches was a big deal was because every single time you went on a train, there'd be someone on a fucking brick phone yeah. <laughs> playing fucking oath, you know, that yeah, Bluetooth yeah. into someone else. So um, how does it feel, you know, hearing those stories? Because I feel like that's such a more accurate measure of influence, you know, because nowadays anyone can, you know, if you're on the right playlist on Spotify, you can get a million, a million yeah. listens, you know? Um, it's good, like someone put out this little, it was like a little doco, Sydney Search. Oh, the Centerpoint, Centerpoint blog. Yeah, yeah. and it, I seen the triple one thing in it, and I, and like even Rops as well, Rops was like growing up Sydney Searches, and he talked, and, and Marty talked about how people had it on their phones, you know what I mean? And, and, and I remember getting on the train as well, and it wasn't even Bluetooth, I'm pretty sure it was infrared, you used to have to put the phones next to each other yeah. <laughs> to send the song, you know, and it's like... Off a 3310 or something? Yeah, you know what I mean? But um, 
I don't know, just to hear the stories of like people say, hey man, I used to listen to you when I was growing up and I was a kid and, and, and all this sort of stuff, you know, like fucking oath and, and, and all, all the old school Sydney searcher stuff. It's pretty crazy, like even now when people bring it up that are my age and they're like, hey man, when I was growing up, I was listening to you and I was like, well, I was your age doing that, you know what I mean? So, mm. but yeah, it, it, it's cool that some of that music's still out there on YouTube, but the views, the views aren't there, you know what I mean? And like Marty said, if they had had views back then, would be clocking the 10, 12 millions, you know, but you had Bebo on MySpace. Mm. That's what it was back then, so. And I think it was on MySpace, the max plays you could get for a song was 1,500. Mm. So I was clocking that every day. So I was cheering with that, so. And you could yeah. embed it into your profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah Change yeah, the yeah. fucking background and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always hitting this guy up, like, oh, he changed the background, like, <laughs> the wallpaper, you know? So. Speaking of MySpace, um, who was in your top friends? Do you remember that? Because I remember it was a highly political Thing. Yeah. Who was in your top eight, bro? Like it was Schemo, Sky High, Forte, and um, I think this guy Chris, Chris Izzo. He was the one that like ran our our MySpaces back then, and Fame. Do you know Fame Studios, the bank studio? Yeah. He used to own that, yeah, and, and Fame. Oh, is that the one in Chinatown? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Been, yeah, Spit Syndicate, I think, used to record there. That's where we yeah. in Sydney Searchers used to do all their stuff after we had the studio at Scott High's house. We used to go there to record, so, yeah. You remember anyone else? That was like six? You remember the other two? No, no idea. <laughs> I don't, yeah. It's still there, the MySpace. <laughs> Someone brought it up the other day, they're like, do you remember this? And I'm like, yeah, but fuck. <laughs> that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> And um, in your interview with um, Kicking the Door that you did recently, um, shout out to Kicking the Door as well, that was a really, really good interview. Um, you know, you, you implied or you, you made a statement kind of like it, it's, it's almost too easy for people to become rappers nowadays. It is. Yeah, so what do you think it is? Do you think that the audiences now are becoming, you know, a lot more open to hip-hop from Australia and hip-hop from Sydney and hip-hop from the underground? Or do you think there's just too many platforms now for people to blow up on? There's, it's, there's too many platforms. Like, there's, there's, you go on Instagram and it's like, there's a hundred million different Oz rap pages and they're sharing the wackest cunts. Like people are making whack rappers famous and people who are actually like that can rap, they don't get the exposure because, because there's just all these toys, you know what I mean? Like I seen the other day, this one guy, he's there with his, he's got a ski mask on, he's wearing a pair of glasses, he's wearing a beanie and he's talking about shooting people in the main street of, of his area and stabbing people in broad daylight. And it's like, hang on a second, We've been rapping about that for years and people used to laugh at us, but now these guys are doing it, it's cool. You know what I mean? So I, I, it's way too easy for anyone to just jump on a track and, and talk about dipping someone and stabbing someone and, doing, and, and selling drugs, this and that, when they all live at home with their mums. You know what I mean? Like none of them are really from the housing commission. None of them are really from the streets. They all went to, 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 to good schools. They all come from good homes. And it's just so easy for them to bypass it because no one really knows their story. You know what I mean? Because They've done one track and it's like, oh, I've, done, I've dipped this kind, I've shot that kind. Oh yeah, he's mad, he's got his face covered, he's got 50, 50 people behind him. He's the next big thing where like people, are, and they're not dropping albums. They're not dropping mixtapes. They're just dropping like, they're, they're paying a producer 15, 1600 for a full bang and beat because everyone's using him and then they're just getting on there. And it's like, hey, you know, he's got everything that one four's got in their video and his video, he's cool. But no one's putting the albums out there. No one's putting in like the hard yards, you know what I mean? That's where hip hop's sort of starting to go down. I haven't seen anyone drop a mixtape in a lot. The only people that I've seen drop projects on online is Rops and Curse, you know what I mean? That are worth like watching, listening to. The rest of it's just shit. So there's no albums. Everyone's just making making money off one hit wonders, you know what I mean? So 
Young and Lips brought out three songs, millions of views, bang, wants to do a tour. Where's your album? Like, stick to the roots of, of hip-hop, you know what I mean? Don't just come in and, and rape the game for what it is and then bounce out, you know what I mean? So there's sort of, there's, 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 that's, there's, there's this rules there that you've got to go by. That's, that's the culture. That's what no one understands. That's, that's my point of view anyway. And one of the platforms that I saw you on recently, um, TikTok, you did, the, you did the Dance to Enemy um, German on TikTok. Are we going to see more Enter Dancers on TikTok or not? That was my daughter. <laughs> she was in the backyard doing TikToks and I just thought, oh, I'll just see what she's doing. And I walked over and I realised it. And then, yeah, she, I pushed that and she pushed me the way. But no, nah, I don't know. I don't want to get on TikTok and like <laughs> do dances and that. You know, I can't even, I can, I can barely walk straight, let alone dance. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of that era of, you know, Sydney searches and stuff, another track that, you know, even... Guys who are 20, 21 years old that I speak to now, another one that they always bring up is Green Line Rockin'. Yeah, because that was like a graffiti anthem, you know? Like, it was just about tagging trains and, and, and like, you know, back in, the, back in the early 2000 to 2005, trains were demolished. Like, the back carriages where, if you were a rider, that's where you were. You, you rode on the back car of the train, you know what I mean? And if you've seen another rider, it's like, what do you write, you know what I mean? These days, like, the trains, are, they're, they're, just, they're just clean, so that song pumped because it was like a full graffiti anthem. You know, people still bring it up to me now, you know? I think it's a horrible song. <laughs> I, I can't stand it, you know, my voice in it, but people love it, so. Are there any cool stories or, you know, little facts about that song that you think the fans would want to know? Just Green Line. I was, and, and you know what the funny thing is? I, the song's called Green Line Rock, and I'm not even from Green Line. Green Line's like East Hills. I'm from Hurstville. I'm from Blue Line. But I used to always tag Green Line because it was all city, you know what I mean? It, it ran city circles, so. But um, that's a fun fact. Yeah, I'm not even really from Green Line. I'm from Blue Line, but I still destroyed that line. But <laughs> it was just because it was an easy line, you know? And I think um, what you were saying before about mixtapes and stuff, I think that's one thing I really miss about that era, you know, jumping on different people's beats and, you know, putting your own spin on it, you know, like whether it be Lunas or 3-6 Mafia and stuff. That's something I would want to see come back, you know? Well, I brought out three mixtapes before I dropped an album. You know what I mean? My first mixtape was in 2005. So Sure Shock was like, they used to have it in North Sydney Park. It was a massive hip hop festival. So you had one tent for hip hop and then you had another tent for graffiti. They don't do it anymore because of all the violence that used to happen at them. But that was like one of my first ever shows was there. That was in 2004, I was selling my mixtape there. So before I dis dis decided to like come out and, and when, I when, I, when I wanted to be a musician, I wanted to drop mixtapes because that's what Free Six Mafia, we, like, Big, my biggest influence is 3-6 Mafia. If you listen to all of our music, it's all South. Sydney searches, all the beats are all South beats. So that's what I wanted to do, like, and that's what I want to see more of, is just mixtapes, you know what I mean? That, that, I reckon that'd be mad, like, DJ Paul, he, he puts out, like, fucking 20 mixtapes a month, so does Lloyd Banks, and they're still doing, they're still doing big things. Even 50 Cent, Nipsey Hussle, they all had mixtapes, you know what I mean? So mixtapes is a big thing, I think, for, for, for the culture, you know what I mean? I'd, 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 like, yeah, I'd like to see more of it. Mm. And I think the best thing about Green Line Rockin' is that now if you go on YouTube and you look it up, the, the video is literally just Green Line Rockin' written in Microsoft Word, italics, in green font. It just adds to the project, you know what I mean? It adds to, the, adds to the vibe of the whole thing. And the guy who uploaded him, his YouTube channel is Esh Records. <laughs> he's been around, bro, for, and I do not know who it is. I've never known who it is. And he's been around for years. Like, some of the videos are like 11 years old, so. Yeah. So if he's out there watching this, you know, yeah, get in contact. Damn. <laughs> Yeah. From that era of, you know, Hustle Hard, those kind of years, um, 
it's kind of interesting to see where all the different artists are going. You know, certain artists have you know headed in a more mainstream direction, or some artists have kind of disappeared, I guess, throughout the years and they come back a few years later. Which are the ones that you still keep in touch with, or ones that you'd like to see kind of come back now? I'd like to see Sky High make a return to music. Like, she was just ahead of her time. You know what I mean? Like, she used to smash it. Like back then. Sydney, and then she did, she did, she went, she done a solo thing. She was on that whole grime thing, and then she like just disappeared. Same with that's them, like Nebs and Sam. I'd love to see them come back and, and drop a project. Um, like artists, when I was doing music with Hustle Hard, there was a lot of rappers on Hustle Hard, and they just they just dropped off. Like Chill was on Hustle Hard, he dropped off, and then come back, like massive. You know what I mean? And then like I was on Hustle Hard, and then I stopped doing things for Hustle Hard. I went my own way, and then went quiet. Then I come back and done my own thing. But um, yeah, I'd like to see even Schemo come back <laughs> and drop music, but um, people just got old, you know what I mean? Like mm. the way sometimes I sit there and think, I don't want to be 30 years old rapping on YouTube for 16 or 17 year olds, you know what I mean? Because I don't want to be laughed at, that's just my insecurities. But then I get all these messages like, hey man, you saved my life, you've done this and that. So that's the sort of shit that keeps me going, you know? So um, I don't know who I'd like to see come back, I think. I think if anyone back then tried to come back now, I was just telling the boys out the front now, it'd be very hard with what the scene is today. Mm. Like, people are clocking two, three, four, five million views in like two, three days. You know, for me to get my first million on a video, it took me almost three years. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, it's just, just changed now. It's, it's changed. I think that's gonna pass though. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, you know, um, you know, drill is obviously like the hot thing right now and anyone who drops a drill song is immediately gonna get that influx of views, but it's a much harder thing to be an artist over a decade. You know what I mean? It's much harder to have longevity in your career than, you know, jump on what's hot now and then get like a million views in your first three days. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, the whole drill movement is just huge. Like, I've got, my next track that I've got coming out is over a drill beat, but it's not drill. It's not drill rap, it's, it's gutter rap, you know what I mean? And like, gutter rap was the it thing before drill, you know what I mean? So therefore, I stick to my roots, I always stick to gutter rap, you know what I mean? There's not really many gutter rappers out there. I classify myself as a gutter rapper. Cursor is a gutter rapper. Rops is a gutter rapper. Sesk is a, uh, Lux, Gravy, you know what I mean? Mercs, there's only a select sort of few, but everyone's a drill rapper, you know what I mean? And I think you're right, I think that movement will sort of die out very soon, you know what I mean? So I just, yeah, I just stick to what I know and, and stick to like the original roots of, of, of gutter rap music, you know what I mean? And you mentioned before that um, you'd like to see, you know, Sky High and Schemo uh, make a comeback. So I guess a lot of people are probably wondering, is there a chance that, you know, Sydney Searchers are gonna start doing music together again? Oh, there's a, oh. it's been, it's, it, it was in the talks and we were gonna do it. And then I don't know, just there's, there's a lot of things that went on behind the scene that there's no, you know what I mean? It's just not forgive action, you know what I mean? So I couldn't be in the room of certain people to do certain things. It's just how it is. It's just one of those things, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't put Snoop Dogg and Suge Knight in the same room together. So I couldn't do it, you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, it's just, but, but probably not, probably won't come back. I'd like to see them do their own solo things. They might work together, but yeah, I'll just do my solo thing for now. Yeah, for sure. And um, since Sydney searches, and then you obviously went and did your own thing. Um, you had the track runners and stuff, which which we'll get to later. Um, but I guess in all the tracks that you dropped in that time, you know, post Sydney searches, you know, and there's a lot of them. Um, I guess the one that really kind of um, struck was Neverland. Yeah. Um, so so how does it feel putting out a track that's 
you know, obviously so personal to yourself. Not only that, but then putting it out and getting messages, you know, like you were saying before, you know, this song saved me from suicide. This song reminds me of, of a loved one that's passed, you know, that, that's some pretty crazy feedback to be getting. That's a, pull, that, that, that's, a, that's a very powerful song, that one. Like, I've had people send me videos of them playing it at funerals and, like, children's funerals and all that sort of shit. So, like, when I wrote it, I didn't think this song would be that big. I'm like, oh, it's a catchy, uh, it's a catchy like, hook, you know? Like, it's a girl's... I love that. That's my, sort, that's my sort of sound, that real mellow tone, that high-pitched girl voice. Like, I love any, any beat like that. So the beat was just talking to me, you know what I mean? Like, I sat on that beat for three weeks before I even wrote to it, I listened to it for three weeks every day for hours and hours. And then when I put it out, it just, it just exploded, it was massive. And then i never done it live ever until we done a show, i done a show in Melbourne, my tour, and it just went off, you know what I mean? And now every time I do a show, they ask for Neverland, but I didn't think that song would be so big the way it is. And that, that song is a classic, that'll be around for years. Like you said before, there's some songs now that won't last for 10, 12 years, you know what I mean? But that, that song will. That song will be around forever. So that's probably one of my favourite favorite and biggest songs. A lot of people know me as, oh, you know, Enter, oh, who's Enter? Oh, you know, Neverland, oh, you know, that's him. That's how they know me because of that song. So I give a lot of credit to that song. It's interesting as well, because I guess, you know, in your early years, especially, you'd be known for that abrasive, you know, crime-centric rap. But like nowadays, you know, like you said, a lot of people will know you for, you know, I guess the softer side or a more heartfelt side. So it's good that you can have those, you know, two avenues to, to switch between. Yeah, so I try and, like a lot of people get the wrong idea of me, so they hear my sort of gutter music and they just think, oh, this guy's, he's, he, he is what he raps about, you know what I mean? But I'm very humble, you know what I mean? It takes a certain, it takes a certain level to get me to where I want like that real aggroness in my music. It takes a real, like, I've got to get real angry to get to that level. Other than that, I'm just kicked back chilled, you know what I mean? Like, so people sort of get a bit, a bit weary, like, oh, no, don't bring Enter down here. Like, even with shows, I've been, I've been knocked back for a lot of shows because people don't like the crowd I bring, but the crowd I'm bringing is going to sell, sell you tickets, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's a love-hate relationship, the whole, whole Enter, gutter rap, trap runners, you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah. And like you were saying before, um, I think when someone's been involved with hip-hop as long as you have, and especially the underground, it's almost inevitable that you're going to run into some conflicts or some beefs or some disagreements. Yeah. Um, people come after me sometimes. I don't even fucking rap, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like for you, you know, you know, being one of the biggest artists from the underground, I can imagine, you know, over the years you've had your, your certain disagreements with certain artists. Yeah. How do you think over the years that um, you've changed your approach to beefs and disagreements? Like, how do you think you ha you've learned to handle it a bit better over the years? Because I matured. I got older, like I realised do I want to be sitting here fighting with someone on the internet? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not about that. Like, yeah, back in the day, I'd get on the internet, on the, on, on the, if someone said something about them in my music, like, they talked about me or mine in their track, phew, game over, bro. Like, I'm coming for your mum. I'm coming for your dad. I'm coming for your sister that's in a wheelchair. Like, I'm coming for you, bro. You know, but that's the mentality you got to have. You know what I mean? So I'll, I'll just go with them in the internet. If I seen him in the street, like, but now it's just like, if I can, if I can send someone a message and go, look, I heard, I heard this, did you say this? All right, but let's talk it out, you know what I mean? Because that's, that's, that's the whole process of, of maturing, you know what I mean, with music. You, I can't be 30 years old worrying about what this 15-year-old kid said, seeing him in the street and smacking him in the mouth, nah. So I've had, I've had beefs with a lot of people where we've gone back and forth, big artists too, you know what I mean? Like, and some of it backfired on me, you know what I mean? So there were some people that just weren't like, oh, what, because you enter, I'm not going to say nothing, nah. So, but I can say most people that have like dissed me in their songs, they're not around now. 
I've like that's just not me being cocky. Like I've destroyed them. That's it. No more. Your career's done. You, you, you mention me in your track. I'm gonna come at you. And my fans are loyal. I've got a loyal fan base. You know what I mean? So they're gonna come at you and they're gonna cut your throat. So yeah, there's no Ubers that Ubered went at me. There's no Ubered anymore. You know what I mean? Uber went at me. There's, there's, there's no Uber. You know what I mean? There's a lot of artists out there that went at me and they're not around anymore because they they signed their own death note, not me. So yeah, I, yeah. With music, like it's. It's a fine line because you can say something in a song and someone's automatically going to be like, he's talking about me. He's throwing subliminal disses at me. I've done it before. I've rung people like, oi, bro, are you talking about me? You know what I mean? Or am I just being paranoid? But you've got to have that mentality, you know what I mean? Otherwise, if you let shit slide where you think you're getting dissed and then that actually is a diss, they're just going to keep running all over you. So, yeah, I reckon beef. But I want to see more beef in the scene, to be honest. Like... Don't get me wrong, I want to see more diss tracks, you know what I mean? Not necessarily people like running up and stabbing each other, but like more diss Healthy, tracks. competitive. Healthy, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it's, it's, it's what it is, it's part of the culture, you know what I mean? If someone dropped a diss track on me tomorrow, I'd be happy, I'd be like, yeah, cool. But yeah, I'm gonna fucking hurt you now, you know what I mean? Like, so. Well, that's kind of what Righty was doing with the, with the grime sense. And a backfight on him. Mm. He went against Wombat. Mm. Stupid, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like Wombat is, I don't know, he's like a computer. Have you watched his mouth when he raps? <laughs> Robotic. And his eyes don't move. Like, <laughs> he's just like, and his hair stays still. It's just, he just goes stupid. And like, Righty was like, yeah, I'm gonna get him. And I'm sitting there thinking, no. Mm. But much love to Roddy for even like doing that, you know what I mean? So, yeah, well that's not like what Nerve was saying, because he came in Nerve and Nerve said, I could tell from the start, you know, that was just healthy competition sport, you know, I didn't take it like a personal fucking thing. I just know that, you know, the grime scene's in a certain place now, I'm just trying to, you know, light a fire under it sort of thing, you know? Well that's why if people say to me, why don't you battle? Why don't you ever battle? I could not sit there on stage with another man and he's like, says something about my partner or says something about my mum, or says something about my kids, or you know what I mean, says, oh, this guy, because how? I couldn't do it, you know what I mean? I'll just have to like, so that's why I don't like, like the battle, and that's the sort of like the thing with, it, with the clash, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a borderline, there's a, there's a bit of truth behind every joke, you know what I mean? Mm. So there's borderline, it's a borderline like battle and a clash, I don't know, but I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit there and clash with someone or battle because it would just be all out mayhem. Yeah, someone says the wrong thing and it's like, fuck, I know it's a battle, but I've got to hurt you now, you know what I mean? <laughs> because you've called me a dog or you said something about my wife and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hurt you. I'm sorry, bro, but I'm gonna fucking hurt you. And then, but that's a part of it. Bringing music to um, 2020 now, um, you came out with a track not long ago, Hitters, mm. with Sesk and Uzi. It's yeah, well, I said Uzi. Uzi. Yeah, so tell us about Uzi, because, um, you know, I, I think it was surprising for a lot of people to hear you with um, a singer who was on the more melodic route. Even though you did, you know, stuff with Kenyon Brown and stuff in the past, I think, I think that would have surprised some people. So tell us more about him. He, uh, Uzi just got out of jail last year. He'd be, he's been in jail for like eight years. So, and he was in jail with one of my cousins and my cousin was ringing me. He's like, bro, my mate can sing. I'm like, oh yeah? You know, a lot of people always say to me, oh, my mate can rap or my mate can sing. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, you know? And then he's like, nah, he can sing, bro. Can he put your number on his phone and he'll ring you? And I'm like, yeah, all right. And then one day I was in the studio and I'm like, bro, can you really sing? He's like, yeah. So we hooked it up and he started singing. And I'm like, bro, when do you get out? He's like, I've got a year left. And then he, he got out, and, but I went in. So then when I got out, we, we linked up and then he's more, he's very, um, he sounds a lot like, he's got that NBA young boy influence, you know what I mean? That mm. real singing type thing. So. He's like, oh, bro, I've got this track, you know, do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, sweet. So then he sent me the hook and I was a bit iffy on it. But then when I heard 
we, we actually put the track together. I'm like, yeah, this, this actually sounds right. And obviously we got Sesk on it and then we just done it. And then it was meant to be solo, just me and him. And then I asked Sesk if he wanted to do it. And then it just, we put it out and then we got a couple cars down. And then, yeah, it just, I reckon it's doing all right. It's a good track. Like my verse was in it. My verse is in it. Uh, I'm happy with them verses. It's some of my favorite verses, but um, people are trying to say it's a drill track. I don't, I don't see it as a drill track. Mm. Where'd where they get that from? I don't know. People are like, <laughs> oh, now you're trying to do drill. And it's like, no, I'm not trying to do drill. If you want me to do drill, I'll show you how to do drill. But yeah. you know what I mean? It's not drill. It's just, it's just, it's just a gutter song. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like when Grime started taking off. Anyone who rapped, even like UK rap songs, people just call it Grime. Yeah. Not knowing that it's not 140 BPM or anything like that, they're just like, fuck, that's Grime. Well, the whole, <laughs> the whole UK scene has just completely been ripped. Like, people talk about, oh, you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, but they don't, like, they've got to look in their own backyard. The whole UK, like, scene, like, the, the, the drill scene, has completely just been snatched from the UK and brought to Australia. Don't get me wrong, 1-4 brought it here, yeah? They were the first ones to do it, hands down to them, good on them, props. But now everyone's a drill rapper, and they're not. And like you, the the real meaning behind drill is it's murder music. Mm. You're out to murder. You're out to drill. You're out to murder. You know what I mean? It's it's murder music. That's what it is. People don't know that, so they've just like, yep, face covered, hoodie with fur. Let's 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 let's, let's dip in. So yeah, it's just been jack. So people like, and when I drop hitters, people are like, oh, you're trying to bite UK drill, enter trying to do drill, and it's like, nah, I'm not trying to do drill. I've never ever. I created my own style. Why would I try and jack someone else's style? So, yeah. Mm. And speaking of that track, yeah, like you mentioned, Sesk was on it. Mm. Um, so what's happening to Trap Runners? Because I, I believe there was an album in the works at one point. Is that still going ahead or? Nah. We're just, everyone, we were, we were gonna do everything and, and, but like Mercs can't stay out of jail. And then the boys are like, uh, Gravy's got his own project that he's doing. He's got a mixtape coming out very soon. Uh, Sesk has got his own, uh, Sesk and Lux are working on their own projects and I've got like my own project coming out so I think we don't we don't have the time to sit in the studio all together to do it to work on it but we're all still like crew you know what I mean but like everyone's just off in their own direction doing their own thing and I'm sort of taking a step back from all that and doing my own thing I think the other boys are too but if if we if one of us are to do a show we will go as a group you know what I mean but um yeah trap runners we're still around but we might do we might do a couple like songs together, but I don't think we're going to push that Trap Runners album as hard as we were a couple of years ago. Speaking of gravy, you did make a slight suggestion that you and him yeah. were maybe doing a project together. Join the album. Join album. What can you tell us about that? Because you know, Polo and Shell Tops, Holy Water Remix, all these tracks, like you said, they're they're kind of Sydney Street classics now. You know, they're anthems. They're like some of the biggest tracks. You know what I mean? So they are the biggest tracks. Um, yeah, we've got a joint, we're doing a joint album. We're just like, at the moment, we're just looking, we're talking to producers, getting beats, figuring out what we're gonna do, how we're gonna go about it, what angle to take, what we're gonna call it, who's doing what, but that's coming out as well. But we're also working on solo projects as well, so. But yeah, me and Gravy will have a joint album very soon, this year. Shout out to Gravy, we need to get him on the show. Yeah, I will, yeah, yeah. He's very, Gravy's very um, introvert. Is that the word? Like introverted, yeah. Sticks to himself, mm. you know what I mean? Like won't won't hold back to get on Instagram and let you know how he feels. <laughs> but he's very he sticks to himself, so but yeah. Yeah, we'll get him on. We'll convince him to come on. Yeah, I'll tell him. <laughs> and we talked about it before, but um you got a single gutter talk coming out. It might be out by the time this 
this video's out. Well, deals from one love, he's got to pull his finger out of his ass. <laughs> Just waiting for deals. <laughs> nah, but yeah, nah, deals is going to film that. It, I've always, deals has always been my go-to for, for, um, for cameramans, you know. We've all, we, we made a pact about four years ago when his brother was sick. His, it was actually his brother, Corey, rest in peace. He said, um, Corey, one love was Corey's, was Corey's vision. Like deals was, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with deals. It was Corey's vision. He was Corey wrapped as well. You know what I mean? So all he wanted at home was he wanted a studio set up, and he, he he wanted his own one love. That was his label. That was what he wanted, what he wanted to do. And he uh, he unfortunately passed away from cancer. So he said to his brother, take this one love and and and, and make it what I what I can't because he knew he was going to pass away. You know what I mean? So me and Dill spoke. He's like, bro. You want to jump, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. And Corey actually said to me, you know, I went and seen him, he's like, bro, just stick to the music, just do music, just do, that's all he kept saying was, bro, just do music, just do music, just do music. And he's like drilled it in my head. And then he's like, just work with my brother, you're my brother, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. So ever since then, it's always been just like, all right, well, fuck it, I might work with this person, but when I need something done proper and I need it done, I go to see Dills, you know what I mean? Like, so me and Dills have always worked together. Before it used to be, I used to work with Hustle Hard. And then I've had like a couple random people do videos, but my, the go-to people for my videos, One Love. So Dills will be doing that very soon. We're just looking for a place to film and hopefully we don't get caught doing it from COVID coppers. So, yeah. That's a pretty powerful experience. I mean, especially considering, you know, after you had your own battle with cancer and, and stuff like that. So um, when you were going through those two or three months that, that you spent in hospital, what was going through your head every single day? I don't know, it was weird because what happened was, like with the cancer, we were just, we, we'd done a massive show that, the fundraiser, the fight for Corey, did you hear At about that? At the factory, show? yeah, yeah. A thousand people sold out, you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Done it, Dill's done it all himself, like we got all the artists together. That was for his brother. And Dill's actually snuck his brother out of hospital that night to come to the show, you know? And then snuck him back in. So we were doing all of this for Corey. Me and Dill was like, hey, we've got to get this show, we've got to get this artist to make his dream come true. And then like when Corey passed, like four or five weeks later, bang, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Mm. So I was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? That's just not one hurdle, it's another, you know what I mean? So then I, and I sort of seen a bit, like I sort of had an idea what it was because I was speaking to Corey about it, you know what I mean? I seen what he went through. So it wasn't, it wasn't I, wouldn't, I won't say it was new to me, but like it was, I, wasn't say, I won't say it wasn't new to me, but it was like, it was a real eye opener, you know what I mean? Like I thought I was gonna die. I was like, fuck, I'm gonna die at, at 27 years old of cancer. We just buried one of the boys from cancer and now it's like just now it's here again <clears throat> so what i went through when i had that was just like it was a, it was just like a dark place you know what i mean it's like you wake up every day and you're like fuck is it is it growing is it gonna go is this chemo gonna work like i can only smoke enough pot before you start to get paranoid to like to see how much this, like, this is gonna work. Like, is this pot working for me or is it just making me worse? Then you've got doctors giving you tablets and like, to, for, for, for your sickness, but it's an addiction. You, you end up walking away with endone addiction because the painkillers, you know what I mean? So the, 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 the experience of it was, it, was, it was traumatic. Like, you wouldn't wish it upon anybody, you know what I mean? So what I went through was, it was hell with that, uh, them three months, just laying in a bed thinking, fuck, he went through this. So every time I'd go for like an operation or like, uh, a needle or I went for a bone marrow, you know what I mean? I'd think of people that had been through cancer, one being Corey and one being Sam's daughter. She was three years old, went through leukemia. And I'm thinking, if they can do it, then I can do it, you know what I mean? So that was sort of like my inspiration to get through. And then at the end of it, I just, uh, uh, 
yeah, it ended up going away because I think all the weed I smoked. So, yeah, nah, but it was the chemo, you know, but it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to go through, yeah. cancer, and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody except pedophiles, but that's just the honest to God truth, like they deserve to die of that, but um, it's, a very, it's a very hard thing to go through. Mm. And do you remember the day when you were given the all clear, do you remember what, you know, what was going, what was going through <clears throat> your head, because I, I imagine it's... it was a big relief, but like just it's having a... that just in the past, officially. It's a funny story, because no one knows it. Like, what happened was, it was about two weeks before I had to have a PET scan. So I was doing chemo, lost all my hair, doing all that, and then I had a PET scan to come up to see where the cancer was at, to see if it was there or not, you know what I mean? But I had a mental breakdown, and I tried to kill myself. I tried to hang myself off a balcony with a, with a, with a, with a metal coat hanger, because I thought I was gonna die, you know what I mean? And I just, I had cancer, I was, a father of four children, and I'm, everything's running through my head thinking, fuck, what am I gonna do? What's, what's she gonna do? What are they gonna do? So, uh, there's a mental breakdown. So, I was in a mental home, or not a, like a mental ward, and the doctor come and see me, and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I told him what happened. I'm like, look, I've had a mental breakdown. I'm not coping with the whole chemo thing. I'm gonna leave my family behind. I'm gonna die at 27, what do I do? Da 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 da. And then I went for a PET scan. And then, about, Four or five hours later, I'm laying in like this bed in this like psych ward, and he's like, gives me a piece of paper, and I'm like, what's this? He's like, you're all clear. Wow. And I was like, the first thing I did, I was like, like that, you know? <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm all clear. He's like, it's all clear. And they sent me home that day. And then it was like the feeling of it, but it was like, like you got, you got an extra shot, you got a second chance, you know what I mean? So now I value life a lot more than what I did before, you know what I mean? Like. I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I don't really smoke pot anymore. I only like oils, if I get oil. Um, when I need them, when I've, like, sometimes I still do a bit of chemo, so I'll take oils. But um, I don't drink alcohol, only like here and there. There's certain foods I won't eat. So yeah, but the, the, the feeling of it is just like reborn. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's very, it's like, it's like a thousand bricks lifted off your shoulders, so. And after that, I, I promised myself I wouldn't live. There's certain things I wouldn't do and I would go hard with certain things and yeah. So, here you uh, are. Here I am now. Yeah. You can't kill me. <laughs> I'm an immortal. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. And um, yeah, 2020, you've got Gutter Talk, like we spoke about before. What else have you got planned for the year music wise? I've got like six tracks sitting there on my computer, um, finished, ready to go. Um, one with Husky. I've got like three solo ones. I've got another one with Tech, a guy from Birmingham in the UK. Um, I just want to release them. Um, and then I was just, then I'm gonna work on an album. And when I mean like, when I, when I, when I wanna work on the album, I just wanna do it for me. I don't wanna, it's like, it's not for like, to go to number one and get a million streams. I just wanna do another project, you know what I mean? And put my best work into one thing and then just put it out, you know? So I've got, a, yeah, I've got, I'll have about five, six tracks dropping and then, then the album and the joint album with Gravy. So slowly but surely I'll get there. But for me right now, music isn't like, the go-to thing, you know what I mean? It's not a career for me. I don't make money. I can't pay rent off music, you know what I mean? That's just honesty. I can't sit there and go, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take 700 out of my account from my, from my Spotify and go pay rent. Or I can't buy a new car with music. That, I work, you know what I mean? I work mm. because I can't, music doesn't fund my life. My job has, so, mm. and I'm happy with that, you know what I mean? And I guess being an artist who has, you know, been active over so many different eras of underground hip-hop or Australian hip-hop or whatever you want to call it. 
How do you want to be remembered as an artist? King. That's the honest to God truth, like, underground king, like, you got your UGK in from the South, you know what I mean? And you got, so like, over there, you talk about South music, you got to talk about Bumby, Pimp C, all them sort of guys. They started trap music in, in the South, so I want to be known for, you know, trap music in Australia? Well, Enter started that, the whole trap, the gutter, the underground, he started all that, so, <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to be like, Remembered as, oh yeah, he was cool. I don't want to remember as like, oh yeah, he's a stoner, bro. Like fucking 420, like no, no disses are chilling that, you know what I mean? But like, I want to be known for like raw, rugged street music. You know what I mean? Like showing like that, showing the housing commission side to the public spotlight. You know what I mean? You can't just like, what, what people see when they look out their front door is not what we see. You know what I mean? So I want to be known for bringing that dark side to the public spotlight and be like, yeah, enter done all that shit. You know what I mean? 30, 40 years, I'll be fucking old man. It's a gutter rapper, it's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I just want to be like, and, and I'll get the credit I deserve, you know what I mean? Like some people are like, oh, you don't get the credit you deserve. It's like, but I don't do this for, for credit. I don't do this for views or likes or money, you know what I mean? I do this because it's a passion. I've got to tell a story. If I don't tell the story, who's going to tell our story, you know what I mean? Who's going to let the people know about the ones that, that are slept on, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's how I want to be remembered. Any last words for the Enter fans out there? No, I just... Like, fuck you. Nah, just like, thanks for all the support, like, over the years. It's been hard to keep a fan base for almost, well, I'm, I started at 14 and I'm 30 now. So it's been very hard to keep a loyal fan base over them years. So I just want to say thanks to everyone and, and big ups to, like, everyone that's doing stuff for the, for the scene now. And we need more gutter rappers. Like, there's a big line between Drew and gutter, you know? Like, Rops is, a, like, a gutter rapper at the moment that's just killing it. So, yeah. Big ups. Big ups to Rops and big ups to Dills and his album. Go get his album and yeah. Sweet, appreciate your time, bro. Thank you, bro. Legend. You done? Yeah. <laughs>